Hey everyone, welcome to the Self Agency Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and this is a space where we explore, discover, and share tools, techniques, and wisdom to help you build and maintain a sense of agency. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Musings with Amanda. Really looking forward to this exploration today, which comes into the space of taking personal responsibility in terms of what it looks like for you to be a self-healer, finding your own inner healer. Because I think at the end of the day, this can be the part that can be the most challenging for some because this is where we have to acknowledge that only we can do the work. We can work with other practitioners and find different modalities that give us guidance, but really what it comes down to is the ways in which we show up for ourselves and find our own inner resources and self-healer. So I'm really looking forward to what this looks like. So while we unpack this, think of what it means to you to reclaim your own inner healer. So I want to preface this with the acknowledgement that I definitely believe that there is a time and place for Western medicine and the tools that come along with that. I'm not one that believes essential oils and positive thoughts are going to cure everything, even though that would be so nice if it was that easy. I absolutely believe that we need the support of medicine, technology, and other modalities and guidance along the way. It's a very integrative and holistic approach that puts you at the center. You are the apex of that. So within all of this, I do think at some point we've really lost the ability and the wisdom of self-healing and became overly reliant on pharma and these external sources of a quick fix. So this idea that someone or something outside of you can fix you, heal you, and save you has become commoditized and franchised, and it's the billion-dollar industry, which, ironically, I am a part of. I'm in it. But I think what I'm hoping is to disrupt and topple the system from the inside out. So like, let's burn it to the ground, essentially. There's a statistic that shows that if every woman stopped buying makeup or beauty products right now, the entire industry would quite literally come to a screaming halt overnight, like instantly. It would put that industry out of business. And I think that shows us that we can do this. We can do this work of dismantling and taking down these systems and structures that work against us because so within that I guess my other disclaimer is that I'm asking you to own your healing and your wholeness within a very broken system and society that is quite literally built on making us feel less than whole make us feel broken, make us feel unworthy. So to reclaim your inner healer in a system that's trying to convince you of your brokenness so that it can still 
profit off of you is really hard. It's a big, it's a big, big challenge. And this means that within your work and along the way, you're going to be met with challenges and some days are going to feel next to impossible. And I get that because I'm in it. I'm in that arena with you. But the more healed and healing humans there are, the more people we have that are strong and resilient enough to change the very systems that are working against us. So really, I think when it comes down to it, my mission is to reconnect people with their own innate inner healer so that we can do this work together. So when we think of self-healing, think of taking back your power, cultivating and growing your agency over yourself. Basically, you're reclaiming power over your kingdom. So think of things like healing your inner critic and your self-sabotaging ways, your trauma and healing dynamics that are playing out in unhealthy ways and holding you back. Think of healing the parts of you that are wounded and fragile in order to be a more whole version of you so that you can take your life back and not be at the feet of an industry that is telling you the ways in which you're broken, not good enough, not worthy, not whatever enough. This is where you can reclaim the decisions that you make, where you put your money, who you work with, and how you go about the next chapter of your healing journey. Because again, at the end of the day, the fact of the matter is that no one else can do this work for you. So even if you went to a psychologist or other variations of therapy, you still have to do the work. They can tell you all of the ways in which they see you being able to heal and work with you and help guide. But if you don't show up, if you don't commit to the uncomfortable and confronting work of your own healing, nothing can change. And that's the unfortunate bit because we do have to face these things and we do have to get into this space of curiosity and like un unpacking it all for ourselves and figuring out what that looks like. And the same goes for those that work with Reiki practitioners, sound and energy healers, all of it. You still have to do the work. So even if somebody balances all your chakras and they cleanse this and they move that, you still have to change the habits and the mindsets of what it is that's creating this cyclical, self-sabotaging way. So in this episode where I spoke with Dion Freeman, the Maori Honohono practitioner of healing Aotearoa, it was something that he spoke really powerfully to, that regardless of the modality chosen to work with and regardless of the practitioner that you walk alongside, it all comes down to the time, the energy, and the fierce dedication that you put into it. And this also means that for those who are on medication, respecting the medicine, eating properly, getting enough sleep, and doing the lifestyle things that are going to help your meds work to the best of their ability. Because I'm not saying that healing needs to be pure and natural. You need to do what's best for you. This is where that personal responsibility, integrity, and accountability come in. So it's kind of like this notion of you don't only have to become 
your own best friend in all of this and kind of colleague, but you also need to be your own CEO and have these really high expectations for the end of year results. It's like you're taking on the biggest and most important project of your life and you're expecting a huge return on investment in the end. And if you fail, the whole business goes under. If that were the case, you would show up all cylinders firing to get that job done, to meet the deadline, to meet the expectations. Well, when you think about it, your healing is quite literally a project that your life depends on. So how much are you willing to show up for yourself? Healing isn't easy. It isn't comfortable. A lot of the times it's not graceful. It's gut-wrenching, it's messy, it can be excruciating, and it can be really ugly. But I mean, it's so worth it because that's how you win yourself back in the end. And that's, that's the beautiful part, right? You win back your time, your health, your vibrancy, your love, yourself, all the things. So when I first started school for holistic nutrition, the teachers often said that the hardest thing about the job was the fact that they would be working with clients who didn't want to help themselves. And they talked about how heartbreaking it was to know the things that could help someone, but the person just wasn't willing to do the work. They wanted like a kale smoothie that would make them skinny and happy, and that was that. They're like, just give me a meal plan and we're good. And in the moment, I thought they sounded a bit jaded and bitter. And I don't think I really understood or believed that. I was like, no, if somebody's paying you money to develop and grow and heal and change, they've got to be serious about it. They've got to be serious about getting better. They must care about their health. But as I learned, I was a bit naive and I was unfortunately proven wrong. And I cannot begin to tell you how many clients I would give this full head to toe, top to bottom, inside out guide to getting healthier and happier. Meals, lifestyle, adjustment shifts, this holistic approach. And I put hours into these packages and I wanted to make it as accessible as possible. So I kept it as close to their current lifestyle as I could to help the changes in the beginning be easier and a little bit more accessible for them. And a lot of them made really incredible shifts and changes in the beginning, but over time we noticed old habits started creeping back in. And a lot of people just didn't even try on the other end of the spectrum. So over time, I had to accept that some people just weren't ready or I wasn't the practitioner to be able to help and walk alongside them in that moment. And that's okay. So I really focused my time on those who were committed and had, I had the sense of trust and relationship with. And it was within that where I really could start to get curious about why things weren't lasting or why maybe they weren't seeing the results at all, even though they were really committed and dedicated. And the interesting thing was that in almost all cases, when we got deep down into their situation, 
what kept showing up was some form of unresolved trauma or some sort of deep-seated limiting belief that was sabotaging any chance of success. But the hardest part within all of that was that for so many of these people, they didn't want to face that thing. So whatever it was, when they got closer to that trauma, they were like, oh no, that can't be it. I just want a meal plan, like let's skip over that. I don't need to get into that aspect. And I thought back then that they just weren't able to accept that their hardship or resentment had anything to do with not being able to lose weight or find increased energy, like whatever it is that they came for. I thought maybe that they just didn't want change bad enough. I didn't understand then the intricacies and the nuances the complexity of stress, trauma, physiology, and psychology. Like I said, I was just learning, I was just starting out, I was a bit naive in all of it, unfortunately, but we have to start somewhere. So then there were the ones who helped me understand and they helped me see the other side of it and I'm forever grateful for those. These were the people who not only trusted me and trusted themselves, but they were also ready to face the, I guess, quote unquote, shadow side or the darkness, the trauma, the stress, the, the buildup of these things. They were at a point in their journey that they recognized they had the inner tools to be able to look at the thing, the trauma, the event, the emotion, the whatever, and hold themselves in that process. So I learned from them as they explored it and got curious about it, how it was that we could start to look at this. Why, and we asked questions like, why is it that I don't feel like I can lose weight? Why is it that I always crave certain foods when I'm stressed? And the deeper we looked, the more clear the reason became, and then they could finally address the root of the issue. And from there, a lot of them started to invite other practitioners in to help with trauma or whatever the case may be. And over time, they did start to lose the weight and the, shift, the cravings shifted. They got back their energy and their whole health because they were able to understand that this is a very integrated approach. So maybe to help put this into perspective, I'll share kind of one anecdote that came up quite a bit. So I worked with quite a few people who could not lose weight, no matter how healthy they ate, no matter how much they exercised, and maybe perceived that they were taking care of themselves. The more we discussed their past and what it meant to be in a bigger body, the more we found a common thread of physical or sexual abuse. And what this told us was that they felt safer and more invisible in a bigger body. So that actually subconsciously, they didn't want to lose the weight because they were terrified that if they did, they would invite in more unwanted attention and maybe even be abused again. And when I first started seeing this pattern, I was floored. I was really, it just opened my eyes in a completely different way. I started to realize the 
the absolute power of the subconscious to truly only ever want to keep us safe, no matter the cost, no matter how it looks, no matter how it plays out. It was incredible to me that the brain and body went straight into survival mode and believed that it was doing their person a favor. You know, the brain was like, I've got you. I'm, I'm going to protect you so that that thing never happens again. But we wouldn't have known to address it in that way had we not taken the uncomfortable deep dive to look at that. So Johan Hari actually talks about this in his book, Lost Connections. And he mentions the studies on this connection between weight and trauma and the connection between that and so worth the read. I love that book so, so much. I think it's truly incredible. And it was by working with these sensitive cases that every aspect of my nutrition practice and other work became so, so different. Like I really had to approach it in a completely different way and bring a much more mental health informed and trauma sensitive approach. But I had to have experienced and seen both sides of the coin to learn that, to really learn what it meant to not only own the fact that people wanted to change their nutrition in order to be healthier and all of that, but we had to get to the root of what's causing this cycle and how do we break it? How do we transcend that and shift it? So yes, okay, bit of a tangent, but I think that story helps us to understand some of the ways that we can actually be in our own way, even subconsciously, but for the best of reasons. Your body is, and being, wasn't trying to ruin their life by making their body bigger. It actually believed that it was helping them. And I think that's really powerful because it, for me, it could help me befriend those aspects of myself and understand that it was coming from a safety and a coping mechanism. And then over time, I realized that those coping mechanisms have served their purpose and now I need to find healthier ways of being. So this is where it shows me the importance of getting to know our own shadow work and all aspects, all parts of us in order to truly heal. So we must get to know our darkness, our shadows, all of the things about ourselves that maybe we'd rather forget and push to the side and suppress. We have to get to know these in order to truly become whole and restore ourselves back to our whole essence and to heal because these aspects are fundamentally a part of us, whether we like it or not. They've shaped who we are today. So instead of suppressing and ignoring them, what would it be like if we got curious and took the time to befriend them? And I think that's a really integral part of self-healing and becoming your own innate self-healer and inner healer. So to acknowledge our demons is to admit that we are human. We all have these dimensions and layers that are neither good nor bad, but have made us who we are. And no one outside of us can know or understand that. They can't know or understand our internal landscape. Yes, they can help us to decipher and maybe put language to it, 
but they can never truly know. And that's where we really have to take that sense of ownership. This is where it's so important to own our story, good, bad, everything in between, and trust that while it might be a chapter of our book, it doesn't have to define us. It doesn't have to be the title of our book. The darkness, the wounded, the unhealed parts of ourselves do not make us broken or damaged goods. They make us human and they make us who we are today and they make us this human who is capable of experiencing life in the unique way that only you are capable of. And I think that's pretty special. This might be where we can start to wonder about how then we have the potential to self-heal. So if we are a product of our experiences, our nature, nurture, and all of that, then how do we grow? How do we change? How do we restore and heal? Well, I'm so glad you asked. So you might actually want to write these down so that you can go through a bit of a self-reflection exercise when you're ready, when you're in the space to hold yourself or to do it with the support of your network. So when we actually dig into the medical literature, we see that for the body to be healthy, you need to be healthy in all aspects and areas of your life. So you need healthy relationships, you need a healthy professional life, a sense of spiritual connection, creative expression, healthy sexuality, healthy finances, a healthy environment, and a healthy mind. And of course, within all of that, you need to care for your body with diet, exercise, sleep, the acknowledgement and avoidance of addictions, and the more, I guess, like traditionally healthy behaviors. Because at the end of the day, your biochemistry does still matter. The way in which you're made up does still matter. So if we can get curious about all of these aspects of your life, we can start to unpack this. So if you've written these down or just want to reflect on them and think about them, really reflect on each one of those. So reflect on how healthy or unhealthy these areas are in your life. And then maybe write down the three smallest, most achievable steps that you can take towards making them healthier. Don't set yourself up for failure or disappointment by reaching for this massive or perfectionist type goal because we want this to be sustainable and healthy. So for example, if you look at the finances column and think, uh-oh, that's a really unhealthy one and I just spend money like crazy and I have no idea where it goes, not that I'm speaking from personal experience or anything, rather than claiming I want to make a million dollars in profit next year, start with something like I will sit down and go through the last three months bank statements and get clear on where I'm spending my money and where I can make changes. Then I will write up a budget for this coming month and see how I go and I'll reevaluate and make the changes that I need to keep this sustainable, to make this doable. 
So this actually <laughs> reminds me of the time when I was younger, my dad was trying to get me to be a little bit more money savvy and save more and obviously just be financially literate and capable. And so he had me withdraw a certain amount of cash each month and I had to make a bunch of envelopes and write on these envelopes what they were for. And I had like a weekly budget. So on one envelope, it said rent and then how much I had to pay in rent. And that cash went into that envelope. And one was like fun money, um, utilities, groceries, all of it. And then the cash had to go in that envelope and that is all I could spend. It worked so well. <laughs> and to this day, I'm really grateful that my, like in the moment I was like, oh dad, please. But it, it did help me create a sense of ownership because I'll never admit this to my dad, but it changed my relationship with money in a big way because I had this cold, hard cash in my hands and that made it harder for me to spend because I knew it was all I had for that month and it really forced me to stick to this, this budget as close as possible. So while it was uncomfortable, it was something that I needed to do in order to create a healthier change. So maybe try that on if it calls to you. And if you're anything like me and need those healthy reality checks with finances, this might be the place that you start. And like now that I say this out loud, I'm like, hmm, I'm probably going to make up some envelopes and get back into that. So maybe to start, you pick the one area that feels the easiest to confront or the healthiest out of all of them and make little tweaks to be even healthier in that space. Work with that one first because this will increase your confidence. It will help you feel more like you have a handle on things and that you can control certain aspects and areas of your life. And then over time, you'll go through each one and make healthier choices and better habits. Eventually, when you come to the area or the aspect of your life that needs the most focus and work and attention, you might find that you feel a lot more able to address it and hold space for yourself and have compassion and empathy. Because when you start to look into these things that are harder or more difficult, you can remind yourself of all the areas that you're thriving in and all of the <clears throat> changes and adaptations that you've made. And that's an empowering place to be because you can say, yes, this is hard, but look at all the changes and shifts that I've made. I can do this or I can pull in the support that's going to help me do this. I think it's really, really important within this to start in a place of open curiosity, having non-attachment to an outcome. Maybe try on what it would be like to have no expectation or agenda because we have enough of those imposed on us. We don't then need to create them and should all over ourselves. This is a reminder that this work is completely non-linear and does not ever have to look a certain way. So what's helped me stay in a space of non-attachment and have fewer expectations is the knowing that your brain actually can't possibly know something that it has never experienced. So quite literally, 
it does not know what's in store for you on the other side of your healing or on the other side of your growth and your development. It's inability to know something it's never experienced is why uncertainty is so uncomfortable and painful for some. But maybe this can help take the pressure off of yourself and let you take it one step at a time, one breath, one day, one moment at a time. So when I can remind myself that my imagination is currently limited to only what I have experienced up until now, consciously and subconsciously, it reminds me that quite literally anything is possible. I just haven't got there yet. So I can be open to the unlimitlessness that's possible. With that said, if it helps you to envision the person you'll be in a healthier and happier state, then by all means. But also trust that if visualizing your future doesn't resonate, you can leave it and you can be in that space. What's important right here and now is to make a commitment to yourself that you will do the best you can with the knowledge and experience that you have up until this point. And you will continuously try to put yourself first. And I guess with that said, it's important to acknowledge the idea of your thoughts create your reality. And if you can think yourself sick, you can also think yourself healthy. I've always struggled with these because to me, I guess it kind of minimizes and invalidates the experiences of the terminally ill or those living with imbalances and mental health conditions and other forms of suffering that people live with. Because to say that their thoughts brought it on and if only they'd think more positive, they wouldn't be in this situation feels really unfair and disrespectful to me. So what I will say is that there is research to support the placebo effect, which in effect would be the positive thoughts. So that essentially supports the idea that your mind and your thoughts are extremely powerful. And we know this. We do know that our thoughts are insanely powerful and do have the capacity to create change and to make shifts on like one's physiology and psychology and to all of these levels and layers. So we can work with that. We can use things like neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, or cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. We can use positive affirmation and visualization, absolutely. And this is going to work miracles for some people, amazing. Some people love the myself healing meditation, Reiki, energy work, all of it. Get into it. If that's what works and resonates with you, dive in, embrace it. But this is not for everyone and it's by no means the only or best way to heal, which means then that it's not okay to spiritually bypass, to gaslight, to shame people by saying things like, oh, you just need to change your perspective. Just think positive and you can heal. If energetically self-healing is part of your healing process, amazing. Keep it and celebrate the fact that it works for you and you're healing in your own way. But let's not forget that everyone is different and will heal very differently 
and there's so many factors that are involved. Like, for example, some days I love me a good energy session, cleanse my aura, clear my chakras, all of it, I'm in. Other days, I just want to call bullshit on that whole idea and I want no part of it and I leave it. Because for me, this is catering to and respecting my masculine and feminine, the yin and the yang, the dualities and polarities within me, which we all have these spectrums, these gradients within us. You can call it whatever you want, and we'll definitely explore this concept in upcoming episodes, like watch this space. So some days my rational, logical, masculine side is more dominant, and he wants no part of the woo-woo, no part of all of that, yet other days my nurturing, introspective, energetic, and spiritually inclined self is showing. And she's here for all of the tarot cards, the crystals, the essential oils, in it, want it, love it. So what I'm saying is you do you and trust that and be okay with the fact that it might change from one day to the next, so long as you're showing up for you. So for some, it will be things like deciding to join the gym or practicing yoga it might look like talk therapy and all of the modalities that we've talked in, uh, talked about in other episodes. But for me, the true meaning of self-healing isn't that your thoughts or your energy will magically heal you and you have to be a Reiki master to do so. It is that you are actively involved in your own healing process, that you are calling the shots for your highest and best interests. It's that you are taking the time to get real with yourself and acknowledge that work needs to be done and then showing up and following through. It's that you're tapping into your own inner resources and finding your strength and resilience and your badass survivorship. Your body is so, so intelligent Your cells are regenerating and working efficiently and effectively behind the scenes all day with no conscious effort or thought from you. Your body is intelligent enough to navigate stress, trauma, physiological changes and emotions, all while digesting and metabolizing the assault that we place on it by the foods and substances that we consume. It can do all of these incredible things and so much more. It has an innate intelligence that is constantly working to keep you healthy and in a state of homeostasis or balance so that it can ensure your survival and that you're mastering your environment. And there's the acknowledgement that autoimmune and other conditions will come into effect and change this, and I respect and acknowledge that. This is more on that that general level. So imagine how much more strong and healthy your system would be if you focused on getting your emotions, your thoughts, and all of those aspects that we mentioned earlier, as well as your shadows in check. So if you could focus on how you can healthily process and integrate your emotions, How can you effectively release excess hormones and toxins from your body through diet and exercise? 
How is it that you can get your mindset more geared for growth and resilience or even just more stable and consistent? These are things to think about and get clear on so that your body can do its incredible work of self-regulating and healing that is literally intelligent beyond our comprehension. We know that the body heals itself. We've seen what happens when we cut ourselves and the skin heals. Again, granted that you don't have an autoimmune dysfunction or immunosuppression, other conditions that prevent that from happening. So I mean, if the skin, bones, tissues, and so on can heal themselves, wouldn't it make sense that we have to trust that our hearts, maybe even in that more energetic connotation, that our minds and spirits can do the same if we help them? So I mean, if bones mend by putting a cast around them and a band-aid or balm helps mend a cut and that hopefully we rest when we're sick, we can consider self-reflection, therapy, and these other modalities and things like shadow work as a sort of balm for the psyche and the soul. So you can heal and you can reclaim your wholeness you can hold all of the resources and tools within you and tap back into that. No one can or will save you because you don't need saving. You just need support along the way. So as you carry on with your day or your night or whatever it is, take a moment to remind yourself just how damn cool your body is and maybe acknowledge that it is okay and completely normal to need help along the way. We're communal beings. It's no wonder that we crave connection and others to help us along the way. We're wired for that. So trust that it's okay to rest because rest and sleep is the only way in which your body can truly heal that it can rest and repair and regenerate because your parasympathetic is called the rest and digest, the heal and repair state for a reason. And it can be activated when you're sound asleep or you're in that deep REM sleep. So tune into that innate wisdom and that epic intelligence that your bodily systems have. Work with them. Sleep when you're tired. Eat when you're hungry. Play when you're joyful and like just drink water even when you're not thirsty and all of the time because hydration is key. So within all of that, finding this sense of compassion and empathy and trusting that it is truly okay to need help, to need guidance and support and external sources and resources, but trust in that space and that knowing that you have this innate wisdom, you have the inner resources and tools. It's just a matter of maybe rediscovering them or powerfully tapping back into them. And that's where it's fine to have your network. You need help, you need guidance and support, but choosing guidance and support that elevates you and puts you as the focal point of your own healing and that supports you as a self-healer, an inner healer. Because that's, that's what this is all about, is reclaiming that sense of power. 
So thank you so, so much for diving into this with me and exploring what this looks like and can look like. And I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what your self-healing looks like. And I would love to hear other topics that you want to explore or introduce me to people that you would like me to have a conversation with. Or if you're one of those people that want to have a conversation, let's get into it. Because the more we can come together and have these conversations and explorations, the more we build our inner resources. So go well, rest lots, and drink lots of water. Take care, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And if there's anything, anything at all that you want to explore or you have ideas about and want to get into, please, please drop me a line. You can find us at The Self Agency Advocate on both Facebook and Instagram. And I would absolutely love to chat. So let's connect. Thank you.